Hey everyone, this is Jamie Austin, pastor of Woodlake Church. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Woodlake, head on over to woodlake.church and enjoy this message. So glad that you are with us here today as we celebrate not just the, not just the death, but the resurrection. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Can I have an amen? If you're new with us here today, my name is Jamie and my wife Jen have the opportunity to pastor this amazing church family. And we are a church family and if we haven't had the chance to meet you, maybe you've been coming uh, for the last couple of weeks, we're going to be on the northeast doors when service is over today. We would love, we would love, absolutely love a chance to meet you. We are ending a series today we've entitled Good Grief. Have you ever just said, good grief? Uh, let me say it this way. If, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you've heard me say it. That's probably the closest thing to a curse word that my grandma ever said. Good grief. Man, you've been upset with something. And in fact, if you've studied that phrase at all, it's a mild euphemism for good God. Have you ever gone through something that's been difficult? And then said, good God, and then really wondered if he was, in fact, good. Maybe as we're celebrating Easter today, you are grieving something that's happened to you in this last year, something you didn't plan on, something happened in the marriage, something happened in the finances, something happened within your family, and you thought, Lord, this was not, this was not on my calendar. Has the Lord ever not consulted your calendar before? and it's caught you off guard, if that's you here today and you're going through grief, it is possible as a believer to grieve in a good way. Why? Because he is able to make all things work together for our good. He didn't cause it, but he can use it. Can I have an amen? If you were here the first week, we talked about the reality that that good grief doesn't look down, good grief looks up. We were in Isaiah chapter 6. Last week, if you were here, we, we talked about that in our grief, we can, ex- we can still experience God's glory and his presence. And if that's you here today, you are not alone. But Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 says this, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. By, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Somebody say, yea, God. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I want you to make a note of that last passage. The New Living Translation describes it this way, a man of sorrow is acquainted with deepest grief. It's important to understand that when we go through a grieving process, when we go through a difficult season where the pain is very real and we're wondering how we can move on, the Lord identifies us, identifies with us in those seasons. This was written about Jesus 700 years before this moment would actually take place. You know what I love about that? The fact that God already had a plan 
Be encouraged here today. If you're going through a difficult season, God has already, he's already mapped this thing out. He has a plan. Are you thankful for that here today? You see this played out in Luke chapter 23. We're going to read the crucifixion account right here. And what I love about Luke is this. Scholars tell us that Luke was not of the Jewish faith. He was a Gentile, a friend of the apostle Paul. So so scholars tell us that when Luke writes his account of the gospel, he's writing it from this perspective. He's an outsider looking in. Have you ever felt that way in the body of Christ? An outsider looking in. Maybe you're with us today and you are not a believer. You are here because somebody made you come. We're glad you're here. Maybe you're here and because of life circumstances, things just don't feel like they they fit anymore. And maybe you feel like you don't fit. You feel as if you were on the outside looking in. That is the perspective in which Luke writes. And, And he includes some really interesting details. In fact, one of them is this in verse 26. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon of Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. I I love that account. This guy, Simon, scripture says, was in town probably for the Passover. He was in from the country and he was caught up in this thing and scripture says he was seized. He was seized. Some of you are here today because you were seized. Your wife woke you up and seized you and said you were coming to church. Maybe you're here today and grandma seized you last week and said, we're going to church. How many of you know you don't turn grandma down? Again, we're glad you're here. The, or the Luke goes on to write it this way. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. In his final moments, he's praying, he's interceding for people who are punishing him. Let's pause there for just a moment. That's a snapshot of what Jesus is doing for us right now. The book of Hebrews says he's interceding at the right hand of the Father. And before you blow that off like it's just another random uh, Easter comment made from some preacher, the reality is this, is right there in that moment, Jesus showed us of what one of his functions would be, that he would be interceding, he would be praying. Uh, Let me say it this way. He would be talking to God about us. I'm thankful for that. Have you ever had a Monday that lasted all week? Have you ever just gone through it and thought, I I don't even have the words to pray? Have you ever been there before? You come into an Easter service and and the worship is amazing and God is here and you can't even praise it, even get the words out. If that's you here today, you're going through it. Uh, Man, relax. Because when I don't have the words, Jesus has the words. Amen? He's talking to God about me. When I I can't pray for myself, Jesus is saying, Father, help Jamie. Father, give Jamie peace. Father, give Jamie wisdom. Oh, if you're going through it today, you're grieving and, and, and you don't know what tomorrow holds, know that there is a Savior at work on your behalf. Somebody say, yay, God. Now, before you think this is just an Easter sermon and he's just preaching intensely for Easter, Uh, All my Woodlake family, can you testify this is every Sunday? Amen. Goes on to read, 
this, and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching. The rulers even sneered at him. Make note of that. They said he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine and vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. This infuriated the people. They didn't want him as their king. Can I just pause here for just a moment? We live in a world that doesn't want Jesus as their king. They want Jesus to be something or someone that they occasionally touch base with a couple times a year when the reality is he didn't come just, to, just so we could have good church attendance. He, he came so we could be saved. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us The other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. What a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. Our Savior, Jesus, the Son of the living God, crucified cruelly between two common criminals. It's interesting. One is cursing him and the other one is crying out to him. Do you realize that is the position of us here today? We either curse him or we cry out to him. Can you imagine what it was like when that criminal that cried out to him opened his eyes after dying? Picture that with me, if you will. Why? Because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to what? Be present with the Lord. The Apostle Paul says there's a mystery to this thing, so I don't think we can fully know, but but can you just allow me to kind of think about this for just a moment openly, that the criminal, the moment he breathed his last breath, the last thing he did was cry out to the Lord. The last words he heard were his Savior Jesus saying, today you will be with me in paradise. Can you imagine when he opened his eyes and all of a sudden he's in heaven? I, I don't know how that probably looked. Maybe he was standing before the gates and maybe there was somebody checking people in and and the person checking this criminal in said what are you doing here maybe the criminal is like I, I, I don't know maybe the maybe the angel that was checking him in said I've got to get my supervisor supervising angel comes out don't look this up it's probably not in the bible all right Maybe the supervising angel walked up to the, to the criminal and said, listen, do you understand? Uh, d- did you celebrate the Passover? And he's like, uh, no. Do you understand the doctrine of substitution? No. Well, what, what are you doing here? Can you imagine the criminal scrambling for an answer? In fact, Pastor Alistair Begg, said his response may have said something like this, I don't know what I'm doing here, but the man on the middle cross said I could come. Oh, you didn't get happy right there. Let me tell you what that means for us. If you are here today and you are, you are struggling with this Jesus thing, if you are here today and you're feeling guilt and shame and pain, if you're here today thinking, I, I don't know how I'm gonna make it to heaven, I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, can I just tell you something? It is Jesus, 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 Jesus that sets the captive free, amen? And brings life. Maybe you're here today and you don't have all the answers. That's okay, you need Jesus. 
Amen? But the prophet Isaiah 700 years before would explain to us in great detail what the cross would mean to us. And sometimes, I think in our modern culture, we just, we relegate the cross to a piece of jewelry or some home decor. And I believe the prophet Isaiah, God speaking through him, would want us to know this, especially if we're in grief today, that the cross says that he knows our pain. I can honestly tell you as pastors, Jen and I, and all of our staff will tell you that one of the most difficult things to do as a pastor is when somebody comes in and pours their heart out. They're going through something that, that uh, many times we can't even connect with because, because we haven't been there before. Uh, we feel at a loss many times, and I'm so thankful to be a part of a spirit-filled church that believes the word of God because how many times have we been in those rooms and the Holy Spirit comes in, although we did not have the words he did. But sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that there's no way, nobody could know my pain, nobody could understand how bad I hurt. Somehow, if you were to open my chest up, I'm sure there are scars on my heart. The prophet Isaiah says he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain. Again, the New Living Translation says it this way, a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. He understood what it meant to hurt. In fact, Scripture unpacks many different angles of the pain. In fact, it it says this in Luke chapter 22. He he dealt with anguish and anxiety and, and, and not knowing what tomorrow holds physical pain. Matthew 27 said that he was he was beaten and, and, and scourged. Luke 22 shows us that he was betrayed by those closest to him. Matthew 27 shows us that that he was even spiritually wounded as he cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? I'll just tell you right now, there is not one level of pain that our Savior does not understand. And if you're here today and you're going through a painful season in your life, you be encouraged. You talk to God. God understands. God connects. He is not up there hoping you're just going to make it. But the cross speaks to the fact that he knows our pain. Here's the next thing that, here's the, next thing that the cross speaks to. Isaiah would have us know that he He took our shame. You know, it's amazing how many of us can wrap our head around. We can get to, by faith, understanding that the Lord removes our sin. But somehow we're convinced that the shame is for us to carry by ourselves. In fact, can I just say this right now? I think the devil does some of his best work through guilt and shame. Why? Because if he can't get us with sin, he'll get us with shame. Oh, somebody needs to hear this today. The Bible says there is there, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that here today? Jesus does not work in the language of guilt and shame. Can I say that again? 
Jesus does not work in the language of guilt and shame. Guilt and shame are satanic. And if you're here today and you have, you have said yes to the Lord and, and you are still battling shame and guilt for what you've gone through or maybe what you've done or, or maybe some season of your life, be encouraged here today. The cross didn't just take care of our sin, it also took care of our shame. Some of us didn't know that about the cross, did we? I'm forgiven, but I have a past. Relax just a second. Um, have you ever met those people that think they have a past and nobody has a past like they have a past and therefore their past is worse than anybody else's past? <laughs> then they tell you about their past and you're like, oh. <laughs> Please share your testimony. <laughs> it's all level ground at the foot of the cross. Somebody say amen. amen. The sin. Oh, thank God I'm forgiven of sin. But how many of us could not get out of bed in the morning if the shame issue was not dealt with? Some of us are here today and we have convinced ourselves that we are forgiven, but we're really going to live as second-class citizens of heaven. While others have mansions, we'll have a pup tent somewhere. Because surely if God was a holy God, there is, I may get into heaven, but I'm going to get there by the, by the skin of my teeth. Listen, he didn't save you so you could suffer. He didn't save you so you could suffer. Scholars tell us that the cross was not just a means of capital punishment. The cross was a mechanism used not just to kill, but kill, number one, in the most painful way. In fact, it was so brutal, scholars tell us that Romans... Roman citizens were not even allowed to die that way. The only way a Roman citizen could die by crucifixion as if they had to be a soldier that deserted their post. Other than that, it was reserved for for foreigners and, 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 and criminals. That was it. And that's how Jesus died. So that's when we say the cross, he knows our pain. It was the maximum amount of pain. But not only was the cross used for pain, it was also used for shame. So if you were to hang on that cross, it was to send a message to everybody. You don't want that. You see, if you've seen a crucifix or Jesus hanging on a cross, I I must admit, uh, paintings and sculptures don't do it justice. He was beaten to the point he was unrecognizable. Skin hanging, ribs exposed, Listen, not hung with a loincloth, but naked, laid bare. Doesn't that feel like us in life when we are walking in sin? Uh, Let me say it this way. There are people that stay away from church because they think everybody knows their business. Not business, their business. Maybe that's you, you were here for Easter and it's been a long time since you've been here. Why? Because on some level you, you, you feel guilt and shame and, and our only excuse is to, to, to walk out and put some blog on post about judgy Christians, blah, 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 when nobody judged you. It's just that sin makes us feel bare. We are exposed. And when Jesus hung on that cross, he, he didn't just take our pain, but the reason was this, that he paid for the shame part here today, amen? And if you are suffering with shame and guilt, be free, be free, be free in Jesus' name. 
You let him take the sin. Let him take the shame. But some of us have convinced ourselves that surely we have to keep paying for it. And that's not the will of God. Scripture says this, that like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and they held him in low esteem in the culture of that day. And even today, when somebody came, if you wanted to disassociate with them, you turned your head. You would not look at them. It was a, it was a sign of complete separation. And those closest to Jesus turned their heads from him as a sign, as a message sent to him, we are disconnected with you because we're embarrassed. Hebrews 12, the writer of Hebrews writes it this way, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Aren't you thankful that this Jesus thing in salvation wasn't man's idea? Man isn't good enough to come up with something like this. Folks, can I have an amen? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Listen to this, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Aren't you thankful that Jesus took our shame today? Uh, Let me say it this way. The cross was so shameful. Many times today, you'll see people that will wear a cross around their neck, and that's, that's fine. I think it's wonderful. But in the culture of that day, if you were to wear a cross around your neck, people would look at you like there was something wrong. In fact, uh, it would be the equivalent today of, of, of wearing, a, uh, wearing the electric chair around your neck. Have you ever thought about that? Now, babe, the last time I bought you a piece of jewelry, the the option was not a jewel-encrusted electric chair. Why? Because if if Jen were to wear that around her neck, you would think, oh, let's pray for her. (laughs) Something's wrong with Jamie. (laughs) Well, you'd be right, but that's besides the point. Okay, listen. Why? Because it was that shameful. Who would do such a thing? And I'm so thankful that he set us free from our shame and our guilt. Brene Brown said it this way, shame is the most powerful master emotion. It's the fear that we are not good enough. In truth, we are not good enough. But scripture reminds us that Jesus became our good enough. Somebody give the Lord a big round of applause here today. Amen. Here's the last thing I want us to get here today. Not only did he take our pain, not only did he take our shame, oh, but here's where it gets exciting. Folks, he took our place. Scripture says that surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Aren't you thankful that Jesus heals? Amen? Not only can we be healed from sickness, but we can be healed from sin and the effects thereof. Amen? Scripture says this, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We live in a society that is trying to convince people there are multiple ways to God. Isaiah said it, we've all gone our own way. You have heard it. 
It's popular opinion. If I'll just do that, if I'll just do that, if I'll just pray this, if I'll just do this, then, then, then I will somehow, some way, fashion my own way to God. And, and listen, Isaiah said it uh, thousands of years ago. Each one has gone their own way. Maybe that's you here today. You're living your own way. And deep down, you know why it's not working. Maybe you have accomplished everything you set out to accomplish and still yet you, you realize there's, there's something wrong with it. There's something broken with our way. I'm so thankful that God's way is better. Scripture says that God laid on him the iniquity of us all. That Jesus took our place on the cross. Let me say it this way. God looked at Jesus as if he were me so he could look at me as if I were Jesus. Did you get that? Let me say it this way. God judged Jesus as if he were me so I could be judged as if I were Jesus. That's what the cross means. He took our place. The thief on the cross said it this way, this man has done nothing wrong. The apostle Paul grappling with the, uh, the, the, the power that's in the cross says it this way, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God. I don't know about you, but I don't feel very righteous most days. But it's not about my righteousness. It's about the righteousness of Jesus, the Son of the living God. That's how we get to Him. Not my way. In 1912, a widower by the name of John Harper had just accepted the pastorate of Moody Bible Church. His wife had passed away, his daughter roughly six years old. Excited about this new opportunity, he and his daughter boarded a ship to come lead the incredible Moody Bible Church. The year was 1912, and some of you may be familiar with the name of this ship, the Titanic. Because of the fact that he was a widower and in charge of a child, he had a status in which if the ship was in danger, he had primary access to, to, to life vests and the lifeboats. Most of us are familiar with what happened. It struck an iceberg and began to seek. People began to panic. They, they loaded the, the women and children and those with, with, with higher access, such as Pastor John Harper, into the lifeboat so they could be saved. Everyone else would be lost. 
History tells us, in fact, from survivor accounts that Pastor John Harper ran around on the deck trying to witness people. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And some people accepted his offer of salvation and others turned him away. In fact, some of you may have heard this particular account that one individual cursed him and said, leave me alone. And John Harper took off his life vest and handed it to the man and said, here, you need this more than I do. Don't you love the confidence? Four years later, at a survivor's gathering, some of the remaining survivors in attendance began to share stories and most of them had had an encounter with Pastor John Harper. But one man said this, as the ship went down and they were floating in the water, this preacher came up and said, do you know Jesus? And the man said, I, I cursed him and told him to get away from me, but he just kept swimming towards me saying, do you know Jesus? And finally the man cried out and said, I need him. And he led him to the Lord. And this man says, I was the last convert of Pastor John Harper. But here's the interesting fact. You see, when the Titanic set sail that day, there were three classes of passenger, first, second, and third class. But after the Titanic sank, outside the offices of the company that owned Titanic, the White Star Line, there was a board placed up with only two lists, not three. And they were this, known to be saved and known to be lost. And if you're here today, it's real simple. You are known to be saved or you are known to be lost. Isaiah prophetically declared, each one has gone their own way. And we live in a world that's trying to fabricate ways to God. But Jesus said it in John 14, 6, speaking of himself. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Listen to me. And no one comes to the Father, Jesus said, except through me. That's it. In the original language, that word way is real simple. It simply means road, pathway, highway. That's it. There is no other way. In fact, scripture says this, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. You are either known to be saved or you are known to be lost. And Jesus is the only way. I find it interesting. He calls himself the way. You may sit there today and say, well, Jamie, I, I, I believe in Jesus. I, I've attended church. And listen, my question is not if you believe in Jesus. Listen, you can believe in Jesus and still go your own way. We must believe and go his way. So the question is simple. What name is your list on? There is no third option. I'm gonna invite you to simply bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm gonna ask everybody to answer that question. This is between you and the Lord. If you're watching online, Pastor Dennis is right there ready to pray with you. If you're here this morning, you'd say, Jamie, I am known to be lost then I want to remind you of this. God loves you and there is nothing you can do about it. 
The word says that God loved us so much he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to pay our penalty on the cross for all of our sins, all of our mistakes. And the apostle Paul just just said it this way, and whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Are you known to be saved or are you known to be lost? And if you're here today, you say, Jamie, I'm known to be lost. I want to invite you to be saved today by going his way saying yes to him if that's you here today you say jamie that's me i need to be saved today i need to say yes to jesus on the count of three i want you to raise your hand up i want you to hold it up for just a moment and then we are all going to pray every one of us but i want you to move you say jamie that's me i'm going to leave this place accepting what jesus christ did for me on the cross on the count of three if that's you raise your hand here we go one two three that's me anybody in the house here today if you're watching online you just let pastor dennis know right now that you're saying yes to the lord anybody in the house i'll wait for just a moment i'm not trying to trick you into joining woodlake i'm inviting you into a relationship with god through his son jesus christ thank you thank you anybody else i'll wait just a moment amen thank you you can put them down I want everybody to pray this prayer with me out loud. And if you're a guest with us here today, we do this every week at Woodlake. And if you're a guest, just let me be your pastor for just about 60 more seconds. I'm going to lead you in this prayer of saying yes to the Lord. Everyone say it, dear Jesus. You are the Son of God. You died for me, for my sin, in my place. Come into my life, forgive me, and make me new. And from this day forward, with your help, I'm all yours. In your name I pray, amen. At Woodlake Church, our passion is to help you connect with God, find your sweet spot in ministry, and grow in your faith. Everyone is welcome at Woodlake. If you've never been to church before in your life, or if you're a lifelong Christian, Woodlake is a place where you can experience real and lasting spiritual growth. Music is upbeat, the messages are straight from God's word, they're very practical, We also have great programs for infants through 12th grade. I mean, we have something for everyone. Come check us out this weekend. I promise you'll be glad you did.